The number one source for informative talk on the World Wide Web. World Talk Radio. The Civil War ended in 1865, long before video was invented. Is it possible to create video that really conveys the image that you were there? We'll ask Civil War video makers Shane Seeley and Ed Lydecker of Wide Awake Films when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Hey, got a marketing department? Outsource it. Electronic Theater, a full-service multimedia ad agency, will animate your business. Still stuck with paper? Go digital. Engage your prospective clients with dynamic media, including voice, animation, video, music, and even virtual tours. Your interactive presentation illustrates who you are and what you do. Whether it's projected onto screens, handed out on CD with auto web link, or streaming from your website, multimedia will grab your client's attention and keep it there. Electronic Theater makes it simple. We are knowledgeable, experienced, friendly professionals, and surprisingly affordable. So get your message out to the world. Electronic Theater, spotlighting your business. Check out our services and low CD replication pricing at electronictheater.com or call us at 760-436-8449. Credit card debt has squeezed the fun out of your life. Are you ready to file bankruptcy? Wait. Make one more phone call first to Credit Partnership. Our licensed attorneys offer a unique debt relief solution called debt reduction. You can get out of debt in two to three years or less. Credit counseling and consolidation loans are no solution. They only rearrange your debt, which may lower your interest rate slightly. You'll still wind up paying the entire balance over time. Lots and lots of time. Only debt reduction with Credit Partnership shrinks the principal balance of your debts, not just in interest. Your monthly payments will be lower too, so you get immediate relief. Debt reduction has already helped tens of thousands eliminate their debt, and unlike bankruptcy, debt reduction with credit partnership does not become public record. Remember, bankruptcy devastates your credit for 7 to 10 years. Call Credit Partnership instead. 1-800-DEBT-SAVER. Toll free 1-800-DEBT-SAVER or visit us online at creditpartnership.com. Get relief from your debt now with Credit Partnership. Call 1-800-332-8728. 1-800-DEBT Saver. World Talk Radio. Interested in advertising on any of our shows? Please click the advertise link on the homepage or send an email to ads at worldtalkradio.com or you can click on the sponsor this show link on any of the show pages. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Today discussing filmmaking in the Civil War, of which there was none, but filmmaking of the Civil War in the 21st century by a company called Wide Awake Films, talking to two members of that company, Ed Lydecker and Shane Seeley. And we've been discussing both the logistics and now the aesthetics of making these kinds of films based primarily on reenactments of great battles. Uh, you produced a film, Five Hours of Death, on the Battle of Franklin, which I uh, saw last week and was very impressed by. And there were a number of things about it that struck me. Uh, one of them is an issue we just started to touch on, the issue of authenticity, whether uh, 
to what extent is it important to get the details right, the clothing right, the flags right? And I'll say as I watched that film, there was a digression where you discussed the uh, Army of Tennessee's, the Confederate Army of Tennessee's flags. I believe it was, uh, uh, was it Claiborne's division that wanted to keep their flags? Yes, they kept, they kept the Hardy Corps flag. It was, a, it was a, uh, this white dot basically in a blue field. Mm-hmm. And that, at the time when the the army was trying to change over to the, uh, the 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 cross, the Confederate battle flag for all units. Now, what I, as I was watching that movie, I have to admit, at that point, I started thinking, you know, this is this is Civil War geek stuff. Now, this is uh, who keeps the flags. If I'm painting my toy soldiers with the right flags for the right battle, or I'm putting on my reenactment gear, I want the right flags for the right battle. Now we're off the cliff into the area of people who listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not talking to the general public anymore. And if it goes too far in this direction, I'm going to have these guys on the show and say, you know, how big is your audience? You know, who are you talking to? You didn't stay off that cliff, though. I, and I, I want to be clear about that. I think the video does a very good job discussing the battle as an event as a whole, tries to place it in context, tries to say something significant about it. It's not just, did we get the flags right? Uh, but it seems to me often in, in reenactment filming and even in reenacting, there, there's too much emphasis on getting the flag right and not why were these guys here in the first place. Yes. Well, in that instance in particular, I think it, <clears throat> I think the reason that it was included is, you know, in today's culture, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of things Confederate aren't cool, and, and we think that's unfortunate. And, uh, um, and I understand why, but... I think people today, especially those who don't know much about the war, um, kind of put it in a very black and white context, if you will. And, and we like, you know, exploring those complexities, and, and that's what that was for us, you know, something that's like, oh, okay, they, they, uh, they, they didn't fight under the battle flag. That's interesting. And uh, so we wanted to include that. And, and it was certainly a worthwhile detail. Now, in terms of things Confederate, in this film as a whole, I ask you about whether you, you wrote them first or filmed them first uh, earlier. You pointed out it's sort of a symbiotic relationship. Uh, both happen. The uh, the, pr- the story of in your your Franklin video has a protagonist, has a hero, uh, as in a classic drama, mm-hmm. as I saw, and th- that protagonist is the Confederate Army of Tennessee. Sure. Uh, that that's the main character. Uh, it's a conglomerate character of thousands of individuals. But the focus to me seemed to be on that army, on its unfortunate choice of leaders and first brag and later hood. And the, the heroes are these individual soldiers who must put up with this bad leadership and are subjected to horrifying conditions at Franklin, uh, sent right into the, the, the heart of the northern defense over and over. Mm-hmm. Did, is, it, did you conceive the film that way? Did, did it, at some point, you did you... Would you agree that's how it comes out? Did you recognize that at some point? We recognized it early on. That was, uh, you know, Rob and I have had, and I've got to give Rob, he was kind of heavily involved in in kind of the creation of the storyline, and it had been rumbling around his head for a long time, and we were given the opportunity to to go in that direction. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, that was definitely uh, our... our, uh, theme was to show, uh, you know, uh, in five hours the demise of this, you know, great Confederate army of the West. 
and uh, and that's really what that was. And uh, so everything you see in that cemetery, that cemetery that which is at uh, uh, Carnton um, today, is uh, just a, a very moving place. And and we shot there basically before we did this documentary. Uh, the, the first thing we shot was about four years ago, I believe. No, it was 2000. We shot a little event that was held at Carnton, and that was the first time I'd been to that cemetery. And all the footage that you saw in the early, most of it that you saw, the, the cemetery footage at the start of the documentary was shot then. Rob had, had been back on the anniversary to shoot since then, and some of the shots were there. But that really uh, became, I think, the, the visual icon for the whole story. Now, does that run through your other videos? And I wish I could say I had been able to watch more of them uh, but as I lay in my broken ankle-induced delirium around the house, I, I only was able to watch one this week. I did not see your Spotsylvania video, for example. Does that focus, I wouldn't say it takes a Confederate viewpoint, but in making the Confederate Army of Tennessee the sort of tragic hero of Franklin, uh, which I thought was very effective dramatically, do you do the same thing in your others? Does the Spotsylvania film focus on Lee and his army? Or do some of them uh, have different different sets of, of uh, viewpoints? Well, you know, Spotsylvania, yeah, I, they all have different ones. Franklin just just screamed uh, to be told that way. Mm-hmm. Spotsylvania, for example, it's uh, you know the clash of Lee and Grant at the crossroads, and the whole I think focal point of that is Lee finally has uh, has somebody who uh, who uh, he can't out general and. Uh, uh, I'm a, uh, you know, all my ancestors were with uh, Grant and Sherman in the West, so I kind of had a soft spot for that. But uh, that doesn't play in too often. But, but you know, in that instance, that was the whole uh, focus there. Grant coming onto the scene and, uh, you know, and creating uh, basically two weeks of solid battle, um, which the Army of Potomac had never experienced and, uh, and Lee had definitely never experienced. And, you know, we explore there, you know, the whole, uh, I think, uh, Introduction on a wide scale level of uh, trench warfare at Spotsylvania. How you know it was almost a soldier reaction. They started digging in. Um, you know, extremely. In, I think there were 18 miles of trenches at Spotsylvania. So. I, th- I think it's hard to to argue that that's one of the turning points in, in tactical military history. That, that in that campaign, you see for the first time the old set piece one or two or three day battle becomes yep. obsolete and it's replaced by the the constant campaign. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you another question, a stylistic one. Uh, if you've heard the theme music to this show, which I inherit... Troy and Farewell. It, it, exactly. It, it comes, uh, the, the Ashokan Farewell by uh, uh, Jay Unger, it comes up. It was, of course, made famous in Ken Burns' piece. It's ubiquitous. You hear it all over the place. It's hard to watch any Civil War video without thinking of Ken Burns' famous uh, multi-part series on the Civil War for PBS. How do you get out from under the shadow stylistically of just making Ken Burns knockoffs? Well, we use recreation footage for one. He never really... He, he always approached it as, a, I guess, a purist from a documentary standpoint. And, uh, and I think Ken Burns uh, once called reenactors uh, tubby, bearded, middle-aged men in Reeboks and, uh, uh, and that kind of There's stuff no, sometimes. There's no re-enact- Reeboks out there? <laughs> What's that? No Reeboks out there. I, yeah, not in our videos anyway. Yeah. Um, and we try to avoid the tubby, too. But, uh, you know, the, uh, he didn't really use much of that, I think. Um, you know, I think the thing that uh, 
you know, T.S. Eliot said that good poets borrow and great poets steal, and uh, <laughs> if, if anything is stolen from Ken Burns, it's uh, just this great use of sound effects. You know, we wholly believe that in that, and that's definitely one of the, I guess, secrets of what we do. We really, uh, really try to make a, a dynamic sound environment, and we use up to, you know, 16 to 20 channels of audio sometimes when we're building sound, you know, atmospheric things. So, Do you record the sounds at the reenactments, or do you add sounds in the studio? It's kind of a, uh, a constant work in progress. We developed a real arsenal of sounds and, and you know battle environments and over the years that we constantly you know add to or detract from to to create uh, specifically what we're after now since you're filming reenactment that presents no no problem in terms of authenticity because you're, it's a reenactment not an actual event but I can recall I and Ed will recall this from the 50s 60s 70s growing up uh, watching World War II documentaries that were very popular, and I guess the History Channel now shows a lot of that sort of thing. At some point, I, it occurred to me, I discovered that the sound effects of those documentaries are all added afterwards, and th they did not have sound. When you see the Japanese plane crashing in the Pacific, and it makes that long falling sound and then the splash, that's not part of the film. That's added somewhere else. Right. So it's not authentic. And it, it means the oral, uh, the A-U-R-A-L experience of the war is not coming from what really happened, but from a studio. It, similarly with photographs, uh, in those same movies, they would uh, almost indiscriminately use uh, whatever footage seemed to fit the narration. The Luftwaffe stormed over France, picture of a Stuka dropping a bomb. Uh, Luftwaffe stormed over Poland, same Stuka, same bomb. Uh -huh. uh, it doesn't have to be from the, the right place. Yeah. Now, when you used photographs, you used some still photographs, I notice. Mm -hmm. uh, they seem to be from the place you were talking about. Do you take care to do that? Absolutely. That's, uh, in Spotsylvania, for example, uh, uh, Rob uh, was our, he, he used to be a researcher with Time Life and worked on the, uh, he worked on the Voices series, their last great book series put out by the Time Life editors. And uh, so he, he basically called uh, Library of Congress for a lot of different things and National Archives. And you know, in Spotsylvania, we talk about Grant uh, crossing, uh, uh, I can't remember the river right off hand, but he, I think it's a Rappahannock. And uh, when he's crossing, we have actual photos from the day and time that he was crossing. And it's just, we believe the, the, the photos, those are what got us into this in the first place. It was all the photographs um, that I looked at that just, you know, Rob and I can sit and I guess this is part of our geekdom. We can talk about photos like, uh, you know, the photo of the, the guy with the da 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 and we both know exactly which photo uh, that we're speaking of. So, you know, the photos are integral to what we do, and they will always be uh, a big part of it because that's part of, I think, the aura of the Civil War is the, the fact that it was the first heavily photographed war. You do something very interesting in these videos that I don't think I've seen in any other Civil War videos. Maybe I have not watched enough. But... It, well, for much of it, it seems to be shot with modern technology, uh, full color. On occasion, you'll be showing shots of these soldiers walking, and it is in black and white and grainy black and white at that, almost like uh, the old uh, world newsreels from World War II or even World War One, grainy, jerky photos of these people marching along. Whose idea was that? How did you come up with that technique? We started, uh, I started using certain cameras to pull that off uh, uh, 
in the mid-90s, uh, actually for a, a museum project I was doing for the state of Oklahoma. I've done a lot of different things for them and uh, uh, I just took along a few cameras that allowed me to kind of get that old grainy feel and uh, they ended up not letting me use it because... We put it in one video for them, and uh, and these videos were generated through the educational system in the state, and the kids thought they were real. The shots were real, and uh, the teachers had to explain the fact that <laughs> they're not, that, you know, they didn't have moving motion picture cameras in 1862, and uh, um, so we ended up not using it, but we love that stuff, and to me, that's the stuff we can't, when, when we shoot this stuff, we get it processed, and it comes back, and it's just like, uh, you know, uh, Christmas morning, uh, uh, for Rob's standpoint, to look at it, because it's finally all these old black and white photographs in motion for us, you know, it's like the missing link. So, it, it really uh, did convey that feeling as I was watching those, those particular scenes. I thought that's, if Brady had a camera, video camera, that's what he would do. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to accomplish. So uh, uh, just kind of a you are there kind of feel. Well, let me just throw out one last comment, uh, which is another difference I noticed between your films and, and Burns is there are no talking heads. There are no uh, authorities being interviewed. It's all on the ground. And in some ways that's refreshing because I hear enough people talking all day. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time uh, as the music creeps up on us. I want to remind all our listeners to go to www.wideawakefilms.com and take a look at these. If you're interested in Civil War reenactment or if you have a curiosity to see how someone like Brady might have tried to capture these events on film, I would recommend the Battle of Franklin, which I saw, and if the others are like that, I'd recommend the others too. Uh, Ed and Shane, thank you so much for joining me today on Civil War Talk Radio. Thanks for the opportunity, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate the opportunity. And thank all of you for listening. This is Jerry Prokopovich, Civil War Talk Radio. And when our shine